This is the Historian's Podcast, and I'm Bob Cudmore. We welcome Andy Pragus to the program. How you doing, Andy? I'm doing well, Bob. How are you? I'm okay. Andy Pragus is here to tell us about the Bundy Museum of History and Art in Binghamton, New York. Recently, the Historian's Podcast, I'm proud to say, was added to the lineup of a low-power radio station, 99.5 FM, WBDYLP in Binghamton, an episode of the Historian's Podcast heard uh, 4.30 p.m. on Sunday afternoons on WBDYLP. But first off, uh, Andy Pragus, a bit about you. You're a doctoral student at uh, SUNY's Binghamton University. Uh, What is your field? Um, I'm a PhD student in sociology, and I study historical sociology. Um, so, and specifically, I focus in on um, incarceration and how that's changed over time at the local level. Ah, so is that what you're working on for your doctoral dissertation? Yes, that's what I'm working on for my doctoral dissertation. How did you get involved with the museum and the radio station? Uh, Well, I started doing a film series here a number of years ago called the Social Justice and Labor Film Series. Um, We use money from the university, and we put on a film, a six-part film series um, with different films um, for about, for several years, actually. And we had three or four of these. And um, and I do, I love local history. I'm, I'm local to Binghamton, New York. And... I started doing, and I'm a PhD student in historical sociology, so we developed this partnership, and um, an opening came up, and uh, and I and I joined the ranks. Okay, and you, so you work at the museum? I do work at the museum. I'm the public history program coordinator at the museum. And again, how did the radio station come to be? Uh, the radio station, that's a much more interesting story. Um, right. The radio station, uh, so here we have the Southern Tier Broadcasters Hall of Fame. You mean by um, th- that you mean here at the museum you have that? Here at the museum, yes. Okay. Um, and the Southern Tier Broadcasters Hall of Fame is organized by the Southern Tier Broadcasters Association to recognize the great contributions of Binghamton and the and the and Binghamtonians to the broadcasting world and, and, and the larger region as well, right? Um, so, you know, so, for example, Rod Serling is in, the, is in our Broadcasters Hall of Fame because he was, was raised here in Binghamton um, and, and a number of others. So when in 2013, I believe it was, the, um, the Obama administration opened up some frequencies on the, L, on the LP spectrum um, to, for, for LPFMs, and our museum applied for one because only NGOs or religious organizations can apply for them, and they did. Mm-hmm. So a number of, and they finally, and they got it. A number of years went by, you know, it, it takes a little bit of um, organizing and, and, and a little bit of money to get everything up and operational, um, but we finally did last Thanksgiving, and um they needed some. They needed a, some people to run it, and as the public history program's coordinator here, um, I took over that duty, and someone else took over the, the station management job. So we just kind of shifted a little bit, and I still do the, the public history program coordinating here, in addition to um, doing the program directing at WBDY. And you're on the air now. Yeah, we're on the air. We have 24 hours a day of programming. Um, our our main lineup is from 7 a.m. until eight or, or till nine or 10 p.m. depending on the day, mm-hmm. and we have a mix of music. 
we have arts and culture programming in the morning, um, and then we have kind of news and informational um, programs in the afternoon. Um, and we're really proud that the things we're really proud of are we play local music two hours a day um, for local bands and mm-hmm. bands from the from the area. And then we also do, um, the station manager and I, Brian Pragus, my brother, um, he and I do a radio program every morning. Is there? Um, well, that's sort of just sort of slipped by me. Your brother is there as well. That's Brian Pragus, right? Yeah, my brother is the um, he's the station manager. Okay, what? So you do the morning show? Yeah, we do a pre-recorded morning show, and it's interviews that we do throughout the week, and then we put it together in a in a program. So, or we'll do recordings from the community. So, for example, we have a storytelling event similar to the Moth Radio Hour. If people mm-hmm. are familiar with that, sure. um, where people come up and tell their stories for true stories for five minutes, organized around a theme. Um, they do that at the museum. We record it, and then we put it on the air. Mm. In, in this in this package program that we do the Bundy Radio Hour. Oh, that, that's what the package program is called. Yeah, yeah. The Bundy um, Radio Hour. Um, now, how is it that you uh, came to seek out the Historians Podcast as part of your lineup? Well, I, as a museum, we of course have an educational mission. We are chartered by the Regents um, of of the of New York State. And so we we felt um, I felt that we needed more history programming for, for our lineup than what we could get through some of the the big national syndicated um, programming. Um, and when I say big, I mean really just nationally syndicated. We're a member of the Pacifica Network, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> but we wanted to focus. We really want to focus on New York State history and local history um, as much as we can. Um, so. I was looking for good his, history material on New York State, and of course, the Historians Podcast really stands out um, when it comes to that. Um, we're also on, on that front. We're also we organize a local history conference in April, mm-hmm. and so that we also recorded, and we're slowly going through and creating programs out of those that we air, and and we're always seeking out um, interviews with people that have. Um, interesting stories or takes or have done studies on local history. There's, we have a, a lot of wonderful um, um, independent historians here in Broome County. So we're trying to work with um, those, those peoples to tell some of the stories of, of Binghamton. Mm-hmm. Well, it's uh, certainly uh, great for us. And we're glad to be in such distinguished company. In fact, uh, we're on this on Sundays, and another program you're carrying on Sundays is the new podcast that's being done by the State Museum and the public radio station up here in the Albany area, WAMC, called a New York Minute, I believe, right? Yeah, it's something like it's that's that sounds right. Um, but we're not we haven't quite had an agreement with them yet. We're, oh, hope, okay. we're really really hoping to carry it. <laughs> all right. Um, but uh, we haven't we we haven't quite worked out all the details yet. But okay. hopefully that I hopefully that is impending. All right. Well, it sounds like this has become a, quite a passion uh, for you and and your brother. I mean, you were you always interested in radio or things or or what? Or it, it sounds like something you're really uh, putting your heart and soul into. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, we were we were given this this wonderful um, public good. You know, that's the way we really think about it. It's community radio. It's um, meaning that people in the community should have a say on what happens on the air. Um, it's also meant to be 
a venue where we can play things that the big, the bigger um, for-profit stations and even the public, sta- the, the public radio station here um, can't play. Um, we're supposed to try to amplify voices that no, don't normally get to be on the air. Mm-hmm. Um, so, for example, we're working with um, two local poets that are organizing, um, that are recording, organizing, recording two, po- two hours of poetry a, a week. Um, that we can, that we're going to be proud to put on the air, but um, you know, poetry um, often doesn't make it onto our airwaves. Um, so we're really, we're really proud of that. We're, and what we're trying to do is develop a culture around community radio, meaning a place where people can go and share their passions and share their hobbies and develop skills, right? Um, especially for the the students at SUNY Broom, our local community college. Um, and from the local high schools, where people can get interested and think of themselves as and be creators of of, of good, interesting programming um, that they can share with their community members. If there are people in the Binghamton area uh, interested in uh, being on your radio station or more about or learning more about it, I mean, do you have a, a website for the radio station? I know there is one for the museum uh, and or an email that they could contact. Oh, sure. So um, the Bundy Museum dot org, um, and then if you go into Bundy dot org, we have a tab for WBDY, and then um, or they can email WBDY at Bundy dot org. We're talking with uh, Andy Pragus, and we'll be back in uh, just a moment and talk about the Bundy Museum or ask him about the Bundy Museum and its his, the historic importance of the, of the uh, family and the company that they created. You're listening to The Historian's Podcast. I'm Bob Cudmore. We depend on your contributions to keep The Historian's Podcast on the Internet. You can donate to our GoFundMe campaign. The place to go, gofundme.com forward slash historians2018. And if you want to make a donation, it's real easy to do that online. If you'd rather not donate online, you can donate a check. Uh, Make the check out to me, Bob Cudmore, and send to Bob Cudmore at 125 Horseman Drive, Scotia, New York, 12302. And thank you very much. We're on the line with Binghamton native and doctoral candidate in sociology, Andy Pragus, who is affiliated with the Bundy uh, Museum in Binghamton, New York, and the museum's new low-power radio station, WBDY uh, LP. Let me uh, ask you about the, the museum. Maybe I'll start with this. Who were the Bundys? Um. Yeah, so the Bundys, um, there was Harlow and Julia Bundy, um, and they the, actually the museum is their house that they built in Binghamton when, when they first moved down here from Oneonta, New York. Um, Harlow and his brother Willard had started a time recording company um, called the Bundy Manufacturing Company, and these were the time recorders. These were the first time recorders produced in the world on a, on a, main, on a, on a larger level. Um, and these, these were machines where you'd clock in and out. You know, we, you know that, that was the, um, um, what they, they, were, they were up to. Mm-hmm. And 
they come down from Oneana to expand their business because Binghamton was a bigger industrial center. There was more skilled labor, um, and they you know produced these for 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 many years in downtown Binghamton. Um, in about 1901, the company Bundy Manufacturing Company becomes part of a larger company called International Time Recording Company, um, which took a whole bunch of different companies and stuck them together. And Harlow was the general manager or uh, in that in that organization, um, at which point they moved down to Endicott, New York, which is just down the river from Binghamton, and um, and built a bigger factory there. Um, eventually, in, in 1913, um, Harlow retires, um, and, and then immediately coming on board after him was a guy named Thomas J. Watson, um, uh-huh. who, of course, turns that mm-hmm. international time recording company into uh, IBM. So, okay, so the this time clock company, really, that the Bundy started was a predecessor of IBM. That's right. Um, and and also locally here in Binghamton, it's really important because um, IBM had a very had a very long and distinguished presence here, um, going up through. And there's still people employed there. And actually, the, the piece of land that Harlow purchased would be recognizable by any Binghamtonian as the IBM campus. Mm-hmm. Um, now it's it has a different name, but um, it's they employed you know 10,000 people here at one point. Mm-hmm. Um, IBM did so, but the the root of IBM's presence here goes back to Harlow Bundy and his brother Willard with the time recorder. Mm-hmm. And Willard was a jeweler, right? An inventor. I mean, Willard invented the machine that they did, or, or no? Yeah, Willard invented the time clock in Auburn, New York, actually, um, and he was a jeweler. Um, so he was, and he made a whole bunch of different clocks. Actually, one of them is the Wonderful Clock, which I believe is in the Cuga. Museum, the Cuga Historical Society Museum, um, that has all these kind of different moving parts, and it's like you know eight feet tall. It's it's really it's really lovely. Um, but he was a you know he was an inventor and he invented this machine. And I should note that this the the time recorder, um, the 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 impulse to record the the time when workmen clocked in and out um, was kind of an idea in the ether, right? So mm-hmm. Willard invents one. Um, but then there's another one that comes out of the Rochester region, and then there's another one that comes out of Syracuse, um, and they all have sli- and they all have slightly different kind of variations. Mm. Um, you know, they use different, slightly different mechanisms. So, for example, um, the one that Willard invented was a key recorder, meaning instead of like a punch, we normally think of a punch card or now it would be a swipe, mm-hmm. or um, but then it was a, an actual brass key mm. that you would put in the machine and turn. And um, and it would record your your employee number next to the time, and you would do the same thing when you clocked out. Well, somehow nothing says factory to me as much as a time clock. You know, I think th- for the workers it was well, both I'm going to say bad and good. I mean, it was good, but you know, it it was just sort of a symbol. Up here, I am. I've punched in, or or if you were a little late, you know, trying to get somebody else to uh, punch in for you before you ac- actually got there. Um, that's right. Um, and, I mean, I, I think that's what really one of the things that really drew me to the museum. Actually, is the time clock collection. I'm very interested in labor history and work history. And you, you're right. There is nothing more that says I'm at work or I'm a worker than the time clock. Mm. Um, it, you know, what do you, you call someone that 
you know, comes in and does her job and goes home a clock puncher. I'm just a clock puncher. Right. Right. Um, and and I should note that these machines were widely despised. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely hated by, okay. by workers. Yeah. Um, they were, of course, branded as this kind of rational way to make sure things were fair, but it organized, it reorganized um, parts of work. Um, so, for example, you know, you have to remember when these factories could employ hundreds of people all trying to use one time machine, right? Um, so, you know, oftentimes you could stand in line for, 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 for a good long while, which would make you late. Um, and during this period, they would use the, the time, the, the recording system to um, levy fines against people. So not just dock you hours or, you know, time that wow. you, yeah. but levy fines, which is actually deemed illegal by the Supreme Court. Um, no one ever got paid back, but um, it was deemed illegal. And they were also used to deny people um, promotions. Mm-hmm. Um, so they were called they were called promotion killers. Um, this, this, these are some of these anecdotes come out of the the postal service actually, mm-hmm. or the postal department at the time, um, because they were the ones to deploy the the Bundy clock uh, most extensively. Mm. I was going to say, were the Bundy clocks what became the standard clocks in America? Um, they were yes and no, right? So. Um, of the the Bunny Manufacturing Company ITR would purchase some of these other clocks that I mentioned. So, for example, the, the Rochester Time Recording Company, they would eventually purchase them. They would purchase the Day Company out of Syracuse. Um, and they used the technologies from all of them to create um, what we would now consider, you know, the punch clock that if you watch, you know, Modern Times um, with, uh, with Charlie Chaplin, right, that's, that's your, your classic-looking time clock. Mm-hmm. Um, that is developed by... ITR, um, mm. but it takes these different pieces from different places and, and puts them together. We're talking with uh, Andy Pragus, who is with the Bundy Museum in Binghamton, New York, and also their low-power radio station, WBDY. Let me uh, ask you about the uh, museum as uh, time marches on. Uh, so the the building that houses the museum, I guess there are several buildings, but one of the buildings housing museum exhibits is the former home of one of the Bundy families. Uh, can you uh, 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 give us a little thumbnail sketch of the history of the museum? Uh, you told me uh, when we were setting this up, I kind of I thought, well, it's probably been there forever, but you said this museum started in what, 2001? Um, 2004. I, I think I told you the wrong date at the time. My apologies. But yeah, it started in 2004, um, and it was started by um, our executive director, Michael Weinstein, who purchased the property from um, from a couple who had been running a printing shop out of it. Now, um, 2004 wasn't a great time to be running a print shop, um, but they've been running it since you know the, the, the late 60s. Um, he purchased it from them with the intention of turning it into with the intention of turning it into a shop and discuss, and discovered the the wonderful history behind it and decided to turn it into a museum. So they did several years of renovations um, and. And now we have um, in the museum. It's in the in the in the house. We have a second floor gallery where we have artwork and, and historical displays in one of the old bedrooms. And then our third floor has been converted into a very large art gallery. Um, we also have performances in our annex, which is part of the old carriage house. 
um, and we have another photo exhibit space and a photo lab mm-hmm. that we added last year because Broome County um, is one of the few places immediately surrounding us that doesn't have a place where you can process film anymore. Hmm. So, um, so we added that last April. So, so it sounds uh, as if you have a variety of of things on display. I mean, do you have the this history that we were talking about on display in, in any way, or, or is that not what you do? It's mainly an art museum. No, no, we we it's we definitely have we have a, a permanent exhibit of time clocks um, that we're really proud of, and it, and it does a good job of, of talking about a lot of this history. Um, and you can also interact with the machines, which is which is pretty cool. Um, in other words, you can punch in, go to the museum and punch in? Is that the... Yeah. Well, luckily, we don't have it. When you first walk in, we kind of save it towards the end there. Uh-huh. Um, but, uh, but yeah, people can experience the machines, and we have a bunch of history about the Bunny Manufacturing Company, um, in addition to all these other things I was talking about. It is a little eclectic, um, but uh, we find that it draws a, a wonderful variety of people to the museum, um, and people, it's a, it really, it's, it looks like a small place when you, when you, when you think about it, but then people come here and just spend hours, um, walking around all our different collections and exhibits, um, because there's, there is just a lot to see, to be, to be honest. And it's also become a space where our event space has become really popular. Hmm. What, we, we have all sorts of events that happen. Is there a, uh, theme or focus to the art collection? Um, no, we don't have a real, per- we have a little bit, of, we have a small permanent art collection, but these are local artists that are showing their work for the most part. Um, so people that, um, from the community that need a place to show their art and we, and we provide it. So, you know, they usually kind of take their art you know, with them. We don't, we don't, we don't, have a permanent collection, but we have a new artist every month, um, on our third floor art gallery, which is, which is pretty impressive for, for a small place. Um, and then actually tomorrow or on this on first Fridays, um, we also have our other galleries will open as well. So we have four art galleries in total, four, one, and one of them is a, is a history gallery, and they all change over about once a month. Mm-hmm. And where is it located? And you said it was a Victorian uh, mansion. So to some extent, is the building itself an attraction? Oh, yes. That's our, that's our big kind of attraction for people that are coming from outside the area is, you know, taking a tour of the Victorian house. It's a, it was built in 1893, um, and it's a, so it's a Queen Anne-style Victorian house, which means it's kind of eclectic. The, the front is asymmetrical. Um, it has a big turret on the side, um, so it's pretty impressive. You know, it's, it uses these, these wonderful um, stones, these big blocks gray block stones is the foundation. Um, and so a lot of people come here to experience the, the Victorian house. Um, and then, you know, and then all, everything else is, is kind of, is a little bit extra for, for them. But for, for local people, they come to see the art um, during our open houses. They come to work in the, in the dark room um, and increasingly to participate in the radio station. Mm. So it sounds uh, as if this has become kind of a community center. Yeah, that's where that's where things are, are really heading. Um, you know, we have uh, events. You know, three out of four, three three four nights of the week. Um, we have a film screening last night. We're going to have poetry readings next week. There's a local group that does the rehearsals here. Um, it's it's becoming quite 
quite busy. Um, and I'm really, really happy about it because it, it just it springs in so many different people doing so many different things, and it really is becoming kind of a, a cultural center um, for our area in a, in a time, frankly, when um, those places are diminishing. Um, our local documentary and, and independent film screening locations shut down recently. Um, so we're really happy that we can start providing some filling some of those gaps. Of course, you can find uh, the Bundy Museum online, B-U-N-D-Y, probably would be enough to get get you there. But um, the, the neighborhood that it's in, you know, a lot of the neighborhoods that used to be elegant aren't so anymore. What's the case where you are? Yeah, that would that would certainly fit this place. So it's Main Street, the, the Bundy house. It was a middle-class um, kind of area. Um, so there are Victorians all around us. Um, some of them are not in the best state of repair. Um, however, when you know, and I, when I people come to the museum and I start talking about this with them, you know, I, I don't particularly find it sad that the some of the the buildings around us aren't don't look that great, largely because these Victorian homes, they were really uninhabitable as full-time residences by the Depression and then the 1940s. Um, they were absolutely unmaintainable, largely because um, economic inequality declined. In order to have a house like this functioning during the Victorian era, you have to have um, you know, people that aren't making a lot of money to be able to help run it, um, including, and that goes all the way back to the coal, um, that you have to use to heat the house, and our house would have had you know, thousands of pounds a year of good coal. Um, you... They would send out laundry, so you have to have people do your laundry. Um, you know, it goes on and on and on about the way in which this this house and all of these Victorian homes depended on the the labor of people that were really living um, very marginally. Um, so, if and then by of course the 1940s, all those costs go up greatly because of the war, and then um, the the post-war era where economic inequality in the United States was at its at its lowest. Um, and of course, you know, the, the home maintenance, these, these homes, they, they have all these roof lines that are, you know, very complex. Um, and, you know, so they all, many of them leak, um, mm. you know, refitting the, the heating systems and all that. So, um, it, 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 it may not, it doesn't necessarily look appealing some of the homes from the outside, although some of them have been kept in wonderful, um, shape, I, I should note. Um, and we do have a lovely church right next to us as well. Um, but it's really, in, in many ways, it, it's a it's a sign that you know you just can't you just can't sustain the, the, these these buildings anymore as standalone family homes. It's just absolutely impossible. And uh, the Bundy Museum is in Binghamton, New York, in the southern tier. You mentioned on the river. What's the river you're you're on in Binghamton? We're actually on two rivers. Um, we're on the Susquehanna River and the Shenango River. Um, they they confluence here, um, right at downtown Binghamton. So it's a, it's a it's a, a location that has a lot of historical significance, um, especially for the American Indian population and and the groups that lived around here. Um, this Broome County, of course, was um, um, American Indian territory through the Re- through the Revolutionary War, the American Revolutionary War. Um, but uh, that was largely around what the economy was built on. Uh, we had the Shenango Canal that connected to the Erie Canal, although it, it, it never um, 
it wasn't as significant as you yeah. know, something like the, the, the Erie Canal itself. Yeah. Well, Andy, we're just about out of time. Andy Pragus is Public History Programs Coordinator at the Bundy Museum of History and Art in uh, Binghamton, New York. He is uh, also uh, involved in the low-power radio station operated by the museum, as is his brother. And your brother's name is Brian, was it? As, uh, his brother Brian, the uh, radio station WBDYLP, uh, 99.5 in Binghamton. And uh, right now they are uh, adding to their lineup on Sundays uh, the Historian's Podcast. You can hear us uh, Sunday afternoons at 4.30 p.m. in Binghamton. Well, Andy Pragus, I thank you for joining us. Oh, thank you, Bob. and really excited to be carrying the Historian's. Right, thank you. This is the Historian's Podcast, and I'm Bob Cudmore.